Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today's episode is brought to you by Ned Health. So when it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. They have a fun new offer if you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win. They will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth's private practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit today. All right, on to today's episode. Uh, Dr. Jenna Cantor is back, and today she is interviewing Dr. Andrew Contreras. He received his Master of Physical Therapy from Gannon University in 1998 and his Doctor of Physical Therapy from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill in 2008. He is board-certified sports clinical specialist and has served over 20 years on active duty as a military officer and practicing physical therapist within the U.S. Army and Department of Defense. He has served in a number of settings and military units throughout his career before retiring in 2020. After retiring, Drew moved to Washington, D.C. to work at the Pentagon Health Clinic, where he served as the Director of Wellness and Physical Therapy. During this time, he served as a consultant to the White House Medical Unit and was then chosen as a by-name selection by President Barack Obama to serve as the first-ever full-time physical therapist at the White House. There he served as the physical therapist to the White House Medical Unit and President of the United States, Barack Obama, from 2010 until the end of the administration in 2017. He has worked with a wide variety of government officials as well as police and law enforcement agencies. And today he's going to talk a little bit more about his experience. And it just goes to show you that there are so many options and so many settings that physical therapists can work in. So I thank Drew and I thank Jenna for a great episode. Hello, this is Jenna Cantor. So honored to be hosting this podcast for Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am here with Dr. Drew Contreras, who just said, just call me Drew. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And so Drew, or just Drew, is one, you want to get his autograph when you know what he has done. This is the, uh, the physical therapist for Barack Obama and <laughs> Michelle Obama, and then the current president and first lady, which is just what? And as soon as I learned this and then got to hear him speak at a conference, I was like, this is somebody that I am desperate and enamored and inspired by must feature on this podcast. And I approached him a complete stranger uh, at this conference, sat right next to him dinner and, and asked, he didn't know me. And he said, yes, this superstar said yes to doing this podcast. So Drew, thank you so much for agreeing to come on to this podcast. It's my pleasure, right? Like, uh, it, it, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you very much. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And that's how I'm going to be approaching this, this podcast as a young professional in the physical therapy ind- industry that's saying, how did you do this? How did you get to this point? And we're just talking about executive medicine here to really understand point A, point B. I, th- I feel like from the conversations I've had with people outside this podcast, there isn't one way to eat a Reese's. It's not some clear pathway. If you want to get this way, you, you're going to fit like this box. And the, it's very much like the performing industry. It's like, there's no, it's not one agent that's going to get you that movie. So we're here to just hear, hear your story, where, where you got started and how that led to such a uh, prestigious <laughs> and, and how honor, what, what an honor uh, of a position to get to do. Yeah. Um, so I think that, I think that regardless of like what you're pursuing, right, whether that's, you know, working in executive medicine or like you said, working with a, a performing arts group or, you know, working with a traveling band or a sports team or whatever, right? I think the, the thing that people really de-emphasize, which is the exact opposite of what should happen, is you need to be really, really good at what you do. Right. There needs to be no question that you are exceptional about what it is that you provide. And I think that people get lost in wanting the end state and they, they don't go through the process properly. Right. So just, just to be blunt, right. Like if you've got, you know, 18 months of experience, you probably shouldn't be the person on the sidelines on a high contact sporting event who's the only person that's available, right? That's probably not the best plan. And likewise, right? Like you probably shouldn't be the sole healthcare provider on a plane someplace when like you barely really know what you're doing yet. So I think that people get confused with, in order to get to the end state, right? I I need to go through these, like I need to know somebody or I need to to have a, like you said, like there's a person who will get me there. The only thing that will ever get you there is, is being exceptional at what you do, right? Because when you start talking about things, especially like executive medicine, you have to realize that the people that, are, that make it to this point or this level uh, are exceptional at what they do, right? And they have made a living off of calling people out on the BS card, right? Like they know when you are not exceptional at what you do because they, they've seen it for, for so long. So if you're not at least there, right? If you haven't found your 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 apex of your skill set, it's not a place you want to be in, right? So first, get get there, right? Get really really good at what you do, and then if that's if you've made it to that point, opportunities will unfold themselves, right? If you're prepared and if you're really good at what you do. So I think that's the best thing I can say to people is like you said, there's no there's no cookie cutter path to getting into this um, as there shouldn't be, right? Because it's certainly not for everybody. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And I want to tap on the assessment of what it means to be good at what you do. And this is my opinion, but I'm going to put it in here and then I would love your thoughts. But don't base your success off of other PTs' opinions. Base it off of other patients' opinions. 
I think we really mix that up. I think we really do. And it's just, no, what are the patients saying? What is your success rate there? Are the ones that if they do get, do they come back to you again? I would base it off that. I think we worry too much about what our um, comrades, that's the word that's in my head right now, are thinking. I, I think you're absolutely right, right? Like if, I think there's a difference between, um, external validation, right? Which is kind of what people say about you. And that, and that can be rewarding, right? It could also be incredibly destructive, but, but it could be rewarding for some people. Um, and that's different than, than defining um, a level of expertise or a level of success, right? That should be kind of pretty objective. Um, you should be able to measure that with clinical outcomes. You, I mean, like you said, even just sheer recommendations and, and referrals from existing patients, right? Or sources, right? That's a, that's a better um, litmus test than who said what about you on Twitter. Yes, yes, yes. Or if you're, if you're, uh, there are different, who said what about you? Or say you go to a conference like CSM, and everybody has been in this industry for certain periods of time. And when we create relationships with people, the ones where we are really more connected to, we just generally bond with, just like our friends in life outside of the business, are, are even if they're not, you're not friends with the right people, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. I have a friend who just got on Broadway. She had zero friends who are on, you know, like she wasn't like, I mean, she had friends on Broadway, but not like close close, yeah. you know, I, I just, I, I think we, yeah, no, we can get stuck in that. that. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm associated with them. So therefore like, I can't. Yeah. And, and, and the, like I said, the reality is even if that association gets you a conversation or a phone call, right. It won't sustain you for very long. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What is the schedule and life like uh, in regards to when you're doing such a high profile job? Yeah. You know, I, I bet, I think I would average it out to people would call me, get a hold of me at least two or three times a month and say like they wanted to be the White House physical therapist. And I finally got it down to like, okay, um, that's, that's great that you're interested. I need to know if you're okay with this. You will not have any vacation days throughout the year. Zero. You can never buy a ticket that's non-refundable to anything. You must be okay giving up attending any sort of family event, kids sporting games, whatever it may be. In the event that you actually do get to go on vacation somewhere, you must be okay with if they call you, you have to leave immediately and come back. If you are okay with these basic things, we can have a conversation, right? And most people immediately are like, well, that's not what I wanted. I just wanted to fly on a jet, you know, and, and, you know, have people think that, that I'm, you know, in this prestigious environment, like all these things come at a price, right? It's, it's not, and it's not an easy price, right? I I will forever um, hold Barack Obama responsible for the fact that uh, we both started there with black hair and ended up with gray hair. Right? <laughs> it's a super stressful environment. It's long hours. It's unpredictable at times, um, chaotic, and it's just not an easy place to, to exist in if you aren't already comfortable in your own skin, right? So to, to, to basically understand is that 
your professionalism has to supersede what your personal goals are or your personal life is if you're going to be successful in that environment. And that's just the level of dedication that it takes. Uh, when you say professionalism, would you mind defining that because professional means of a profession? And so that can be very vague. Yeah, I, I think that it means, right? I think that it means that you need to be willing to put forward um, your best on any day in any place and do the best you can for those patients uh, or those people that you're serving. And it's really, you know, kind of a, um, a selfless service attitude that would make you successful. Right? Yeah. And that's what I mean by professionalism, right? It has to come first, right? It doesn't matter if you had, you know, plans to do a thing or you were supposed to be going out to, to dinner with your spouse or whatever, right? Like that's the level of professionalism that's expected. Absolutely. I like it. Thank you so much for that. I, uh, I was thinking, it, I was thinking it actually really reminded me of swings on Broadway. They have a very similar situation, except they're not the main person, but they have to be available at a moment's notice. So just like, and during the Christmas breaks that the leads or the ensembles take, they are the ones that jump in. If anything comes up, they're the ones that jump. I mean, if I want to say somebody who truly has probably the least break in the run of a Broadway show, it's the swings. So that's, uh, it, it's, uh, that's just where my brain went. Cause theater is my background. Theater is my sport, my sport. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I, I like that. That's so interesting. And, and I think it's always good to know the full picture of what it means to do something. I'm going to compare it to Broadway and, and musical theater because that's what I know. Uh, it reminds uh, when, including myself, when you first graduate school and you're a performer, singer, actor, dancer, you're like, oh, I want to make it on Broadway. However, the schedule on Broadway, it's six days a week, one day off the main holidays, you are going to be performing. That's when you have the most people attending. You're going to miss on so many things that go on in your life for being dedicated to the Broadway show. So knowing that you're going to miss so much of life, not just a little, like a lot, like your nephew's events, whatever, you're going to miss everything. And in, in your downtime, the, the day, say you have one show, your whole day is revolved uh, subconscious or consciously around putting on your best performance that night. So you have to be careful with your energy, everything, because that is the, that is your main job. That's your main go-to. So it, it really does sound so reminiscent of that. You've got to have a passion for it as much. I do think there's a little bit more selfish and that's okay to be selfish uh regarding performing because you are a person who loves applause loves that stage and everything you are of course giving i would say it's like 50 50 um but i i do think it, it would be different compared to the physical therapy job that you're doing because the only reason why and we discussed this before the only reason why we can even say your name in association with with these people is because they have publicly said your name you know, right. and that's, that's, and, and, but if you didn't have that, we would not, that's, that would, we would be doing all this other words to go around yeah. it appropriately. Right. You wouldn't talk about it. And, and the reality of it is, um, you know, another, per, I was doing something else and somebody asked me and they were like, what would you consider one of the, the biggest achievements that you've done professionally? And I would say that until after 
2017, right? Nobody knew who I was and what I was doing, right? That, and that was, that was my goal, right? Was that nobody knew that I was a White House physical therapist. Nobody knew who I was, where I was at, the things I was doing, because that was the job, right? The job wasn't to be public. It's not, it's not the world's business. Right, right. And then, so, and, and I think that that's fair, right? I think that, that, and I think that that's really important. And then, so like you said, you kind of have to understand that like the, the, the people who are concerned with the trappings, right? With like, what do I get out of it, right? will be severely disappointed in executive medicine because that should never be what it's about, right? It should never be about what are you getting out of it? Um, because if that's the case, you know, you won't be doing it for very long, right? There's, there's a saying in the, in the golf PT community is, you know, if you want to be around a long time, you don't want to be around all the time, right? And basically what that means is like, you should not be trying to be, you know, the inner circle person right? You shouldn't try to be the best friend of these, these high profile individuals. If your goal is to, you know, be of service and do your job for a long time, because you, because that's just not the way it works. Right. So that's just kind of a reference point that I, I found uh, just like you said, very similar to, to, to performing arts, right. It's just kind of this, there's parallels in all these different sub communities. I mean, it really goes back to just loving, truly loving what you do. And it's okay if you don't, it's okay. Not every job or every specific thing is meant for everyone. That's why we have so many different options and more options keep popping up after the pandemic now. But, but yeah, you have to love what you do. You have to love what you do. See, I love being the center of attention because I'm a performer and a physical therapist. So I know right off the bat that couldn't be for me because for me not to be able to be like, hey, look, I'm at the White House and mm -hmm. like doing a whole photo shoot there, trying out different heels for the photo shoots, all that stuff. Like so that would be, I would be the worst person because I'd be mourning getting to do that. It's <laughs> and so, right. So there's always the question people would ask like, oh, can you do this there? Or can you do that? Or can you do this? And the answer is always, you can do whatever you want on your last day. And if you want today to be your last day, feel free to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's HIPAA compliance. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's HIPAA compliance. And then we have people there just taking care of the, the United States. Like, ugh, that's such a high level. It's such high level, you know? I mean, wow. Wow. Uh, I was wondering for you, because it's it, this level of executive medicine is, is very I, I, high profile, there's a lot going on there. I'm not asking for details behind the scenes. That's none of our business, but I'm, I'm curious about how it affected your stress levels and your anxiety while there and how you managed that during that time to make sure you were able to be fully present and helpful, even though it may have kind of fallen on your shoulders a little bit. And on that note, we'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and be right back with Drew's response. When it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and increasing referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. NetHealth has a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. 
Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. You know, the, the, the best way um, to kind of describe that is, is I think that it's important to um, surround yourself with, with people that are understanding of your situation, right? Because, because it, it's inevitable that you will have conflicts or that you will have to back out of things, right? And if people don't understand your situation and the level of service and dedication you have, they just think you're selfish, right? So like the, I'm sorry, I know I said I was going to come to your barbecue, but I, but I just can't, I can't make it now. And, and I need you to be okay with that and me not provide you an explanation of why, right? And that's a hard thing, right? And you will find out pretty quickly, like who, who's accepting of you and who's not, right? Because most people will just stop inviting you to things, right? Or they'll just, they'll just cut you out of their life. And, and to some degree, rightfully so, right? Um, so I think it's just important to, to make sure that you surround yourself with that. And if you're a person with the family, right? Like this has to be an honest conversation that you have up front. Um, this is not something that you kind of tiptoe around or like, oh, I'll make it up to you. Like you'll be saying that forever. You'll never make it up, right? It just needs to be an acceptance of like, this is, this is part of what's acceptable. Um, and, and that's not, like you said, that's not for everybody, right? It's, it's absolutely not for everybody. So I just think that in order to be able to perform at, at a sustain, sustainable level, right? For a duration, not just like once or like twice, right? But to continue to do that, you have to accept that. So uh, I will, th- th- another thing that comes to mind is um, I once saw an interview with Michael Jordan, who is, you know, arguably one of the greatest basketball players of all time, regardless of what you think. Right. And Michael Jordan was interviewed and, and, and he said, you know, what's, what's it, what's difficult about it. And he said, you know, people who want to be Michael Jordan for a day or a game, you know, like, of course, I'd love to be Michael Jordan for a day or for a game, but be me for a season, right? Or for a year or for a couple of years of a championship run year after year after year, right? The commitment and sustainment that that requires, like people don't want to do that, right? And that's what I would say to people too. Like it's super cool to work at the White House for a day or a weekend, right? Right. But, but do, it for, do it for a year or an administration, Right or be stupid enough to come back and do it again. If somebody asks you, right? Like that's, that's a whole different level, right? So it's super exciting, you know, and it's interesting for, for a weekend or a day or whatever, but like, but long-term, right? Like you said, it's a commitment. Yeah. It makes me think of certain roles. I'm always going to bring it back to theater. Cause that's my brain. It makes me think of Alphaba in, in Wicked or Evita in Evita, where uh, Aida and Aida, where they are literally doing like vocal aerobics, they don't stop singing. So when they are outside of the show, from what I've learned, and especially if you're talking about a Broadway run, so they are doing what is it, uh, seven to eight shows a week, they get the one day off, they are not talking much outside of that show. 
it, if you want to reserve, like, or if they do, they know what they can and cannot handle because the amount of singing Alphabet I've learned is such a difficult track because of how you're, you're going from one part, even if you're not in a scene for a moment, you're rushing, doing a, a, a costume change. It's, it's a very non-stop role. So if you are looking to lose weight, no, <laughs> no, but uh, it, so it just makes me think of that, you know, it, different things can cut you out of living your life, which is why I've always said, I would love to do Alphaba at a regional theater for three weeks. <laughs> right. Done, done. Like, for, like, like Michael Jordan said for temporary, I think it's so good to take in this perspective and take things in as a whole. We were talking when we met, uh, the group was discussing how um, really understanding and this is a bigger picture thing, but really understanding what physical therapy is before you even decide to join the profession is a big deal that needs to be much more transparent. And we can sit there and see all these shiny other things like, oh, I want to treat for Broadway or I want to do executive medicine or, oh, I want to work for this sports team. But really asking yourself all the tough questions on what goes into that. I mean, if you're talking about money, great, but like, have you ever had money? And then like, how fast did that money go? Did it really make you happy? So many, so many things on that, <laughs> but uh, the details of the job, will that, will you enjoy that? That's your life. You're going to spend the majority of your time on the job, not off the job. So you got to make sure it's something that you like and really do your, do, do your due diligence uh, in that. But I, I think it can be very difficult to give and provide the full picture for anything. I, I don't know. I don't really know of a clear way to make it clear. I think that, I think that part of that, I think is our own fault as PTs, right? I think that the general public struggles to understand what we do as a whole, right? It's, it's easy to, to do it in, in subsets. Like it's easy to understand okay, well, I was on crutches and I had a cast and then I had to see a PT because my ankle was broke, right? Or the, you know, uh, mom had a stroke. She's in rehab. She sees a PT every day so she can get better and come home. But, but the, the hard thing is like uh, the profession's bigger than that, right? It's, it's more, and we've overcomplicated it instead of really kind of simplifying it down because the reality is, right, what do PTs do? Well, we help people do whatever it is they want to do. Right? We get them back to or allow them to do the things that they want to do. And that's it. That, that's the, that's the, the big selling point of it is, and if you're not interested in doing that, on, like you said, just about every day of your life, this is not the right profession for you. Right. Like if you thought that, well, I would, I will have a very nice car and I will have these set hours and I will, you know, be able to do these things. Like you're going to be miserable. Right. Cause I think that people that get into the profession for the wrong reasons, just like any job, when eventually, right, it, it will be taxing to you. And if you're not down with whoever that person is, that's you're talking to and working with, if you're not okay with, I'm here to get you to where you want to be. So that whatever that thing is, whether that's walking your kid down the aisle at a wedding, whether that's going on a hike again, whether it's walking the dog, right? Or like putting your shirt on by yourself, right? Whatever those things are, 
while in a handstand, of course. Like if you're not okay doing that, we're never going to be happy with, with what PT does. Right. So I think that that's the thing that people need to kind of understand. And if I wish, if I had anything to say to anybody who's listening, who's like thinking about it, think about that. Are you okay with doing that, with that being your role in life? And if that does not appeal to you, you need to find something else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it really is a, a job where you're of service, but you have to love being of service in this manner. Like if it doesn't feed your soul, like then how, like no money can ever pay you enough. Right. It's right. never, never enough. never enough. It'll never be enough. And that's okay. That's okay. It's yeah, I, I take like, exactly. You got to figure out what you love. I, I feel pretty lucky because I went into school dreading that I was going to school and I felt like a public embarrassment in the musical theater world because I entered school as a quitter because that's what it looks like. Like I'm leaving my profession. And so I had people offering me professional gigs while I was in my first year of school and I was embarrassed. Meanwhile, other people were posting and going, oh, I started in school because it was a prestigious school and everything. And I was like quiet for the first at least year. Um, if not more, uh, about what I, where I was, <laughs> everything. <laughs> I mean, it's all perspective. But then I learned. I I got. Uh, it, sometimes it only just takes that one experience. And for me, I had that, which and was beautiful. Seeing how it can change people, and uh, yeah, yeah. But if that doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. I love yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. So for you in executive medicine, I don't know if you know the data on this. I, I don't even know if it exists, but is there kind of an average of how um, how long medical professionals usually stay within executive medicine? Or is there kind of like, usually it's about five or 10 years or something, just because it is such a commitment and you're talking about family and all these things. Just wondering. I think that there's a, there's a, there's, it is a uh, I think there's a, a short hump and a long-term hump. I don't think there's a lot of people in the middle. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I think that if most, I would probably say two thirds, right? It's a short, I don't know. I, I'm guessing, you know, five to seven year experience, right? That people do. That's short. Yep. And then <laughs> I'm they laughing. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think, there's nobody that's kind of in that like seven to 15 year. And then I think you get another, the, the last third is in the 15 year plus, right? So wow. there's people that have made a career choice or have made that shift for whatever reason um, in that direction. I think they kind of stay there. Um, but I don't think it's, yeah, yeah I, I don't think it's a mid-career thing. It's either a, a stop along the way or eventually it becomes your, your pathway. The business side, I have a real dorky question here. It's not mm -hmm. dorky because there are people who'd be curious. I'm curious about documentation. <laughs> For some reason, I feel like it's going to be, uh, there's, let's compare it to a Rite Aid receipt versus a CVS receipt. I feel like it's probably a CVS receipt. Am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I would say, right? Um, if you treat everybody the same and document the same, you're always okay. That's it, right? And that's where you have to be, real. again, like you got to be good at what you do and you got to be very comfortable with that, right? Because you, people, you'll be second guessed, right? There will be 
consultations with other providers. That's just the nature of executive medicine, right? And so you need to be okay with what you're doing in documentation as part of that, right? Making sure that you're, you're very clear about your plan of care and the things that you're doing and why you're doing them. Um, but if you, you know, if you do it the same, it, it doesn't matter, right? It's, it's universal precautions, right? If you, if you do it the same, no matter what, you're good to go. So that, that'd be my two cents on that. And then we also think it might differentiate regarding plan of care, because we're talking about exercise adherence, which is something that physical therapists are always talking about. It's one of my biggest passions is getting exercise. And it's so great when it works uh, uh, for your patients in general that have a high anxiety life, uh, a lack of sleep life. How do you achieve that adherence in a realistic way to get results? Does that make sense? I'm trying yeah, no, to generalize, no. even though every patient's different, but this is, we're talking about a very specific level of high stress. Right. I think that you have to understand um, that when you're working in this kind of subset, the biggest commodity for people, their biggest ass, the thing that is the most valuable to them is time. Time is their most valuable asset, right? It's not money. It's not, you know, do I have stuff? Do I have, you know, it's not the resources of equipment or what, like it's time. Their time is very valuable. Um, and you have to, you have to be a good steward of that, right? You have to respect that. Um, and so you have to, you're not going to give somebody, you know, uh, a printout with 15 exercises that's going to take an hour and a half for them to do and tell them to do it three times a day, right? Like, this is not how this, how it's going to work. Right. So I think that if you understand that concept and build your plan around that, about what is the most effective thing I can do with you for this amount of time, which is limited. And then you have to understand that that's, it's finite, right? There, there's not, it's not unlimited that there's a million priorities that are trying to take that time. And if you are, are good about using it and understand that it's a limited resource, then they'll appreciate it. I just realized you have unusual, wonderful access to collaboration there. And I, I started to think about food. Could, I mean, you could, no, here's, here's, no, there's a purposes because digestion, if their digestion is off, that actually can have a big effect on their healing process. Have you had opportunities to collaborate with the, the, the chef Absolutely. or people? That is so cool. Oh, that is like the best. Absolutely. Right. And, and again, right. Like you, you have to get the most value out of the things that you can. Right. And what's really <laughs> interesting in this world is that like, it's, it's usually a matter of making sure that, you know, that the, the, the people are meeting the caloric minimum, right? That they're, mm. because again, they're so busy or figuring out what is the more effective way of doing this or how can we provide the requirements despite a busy travel schedule, right? Or, or all the other, you know, things that are demanding. And, and then, right. And then also, right, like, yeah, work with chefs, nutritionists, Oh. Work with other with personal trainers, massage therapists, um, you know, other healthcare providers. Like you just that is so cool. That, like you're part of the bigger picture, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. it, it, and if you're there for that, it, it'll work itself out. 
Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, I'm sure there are discussions that have to happen, but it sounds like the dream collaboration because you have access to literally everybody in the picture that you would want to be present in the picture there. That is just so cool. I'm like, oh, yes. Oh, God. If I said that to any of my performers, hey, can you connect me with your your nutritionist or your chef so I can work? And they'd be like, are you kidding? Get out of here. <laughs> But wow, that's that's really really cool. That's that's getting the opportunity for next level, um, n- next level stuff. Um, I was wondering if you have any fun memories from your first day on the job, without getting specific oh, about yeah. the individual, but oh, no. just any uh, yeah. So, so the very first day, um, you know, I, I'm working with President Obama, right? It's a uh, um, the White House is an interesting place because uh, there's the work areas, there's where you know offices and whatnot, but then there's also um, an area called the residence, and that's where the family lives, and it's off limits to the staff. Like people don't, nobody goes into the residence; that's their home, right? So I was going to see the president, and um, in order to, we were going up through, to the residence. So we get into their private elevator, right? And it was, you know, people like, oh my God, he's getting in the elevator with them. And I, I didn't know any better, right? So I just, I just introduced myself to him. He's like, okay, hey, come with me. We're going to go in the elevator. I'm gonna go upstairs and uh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get changed up and then we'll, we'll go start work. I was like, okay, great. So I come in the elevator and he's like, you know, hey man, um, what part of the island are you from? And I was like, I'm sorry. He's like, you're from Hawaii, right? Now, in context, he's Hawaiian, right? And people probably can't see me, right? But, uh, you know, I'm absolutely a Pacific Islander. And I said, actually, man, um, I'm from Cleveland. And he was like, wait, what? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm from Cleveland. He's like, Cleveland? And this was the, right at the time where LeBron James had just left Cleveland to go to Miami and if anybody knows anything about Obama, he's quite the basketball fan. And so he turns to me and says, Cleveland, ah, that's too bad about LeBron. Like without, like, I just met this man. Like, and I, and so like, you know, growing up in Cleveland, like I immediately got defensive and I was like, well, it's too bad that Chicago sucks at everything. Right. So like immediately, like, and then I was like, Oh, Oh, I'll be sure to said that. Right. Like, but like he put me, I, I just was completely caught off guard and put me on my heels and I got defensive about cleaning. He was like, looked at me and was like, we're, we're going to be okay. Like we're going to get along. All right. Right. So. Oh, that's great. Then people always ask like, well, what do you talk about? What did, you know, what things and things I would tell people is like, we talked about three things for the majority of our entire interactions, sports, weather, and kids. Those are the three topics that we could talk about. If the conversation ever went somewhere else, right? My answer was usually like, there's probably somebody who could talk about that, but it's not me. Mm. So I would immediately refer to, you know, I think the weather's going to be crappy today, right? Like, uh, and, and kind of focused on that, right? To make sure that I was doing my job, right? And those topics we kind of came to through, through just general conversations, these topics are, are safe and easy for us to talk about uh, and allowed him to, be a patient and allowed me to be a clinician. Yeah. Cause if you went into anything else, oof, oof. Yeah. Too much. Yeah. yeah. Too much. That's really cool. I, I like, I like how you found a way to uh, be 
sensitive and helpful with that sensitivity, you know, to, to give a human a break. <laughs> right. Exactly. For real. Oh, that's so magnificent. I think this is perfect. We're going to end here. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I'm not sure if there is, is there a way for people to reach out to you um, and contact you if they wanted to, I, I, I don't know, somehow yeah, connect? I mean, you can, you know, probably the, the easiest way for the general audience is just find me on, on social media, right? You can find me on Twitter. DC on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. DC underscore PT is easy to find me. Um, you know, and eventually I'll, I'll look at it and, and get back to people, but that's probably the easiest way for people, for this audience to get a hold of me. If somebody, you know, is interested or just wants to, you know, hear something else, let me know. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm looking forward to people hearing this interview. I have learned so much and grown so much and honestly just left very, very inspired. Thank you so much, Drew, for coming Thank on. You, my pleasure. Thank you. A big thank you to Jenna and Drew for a wonderful interview. And of course, thanks to NetHealth for sponsoring. So again, they have a new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit so you can boost your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and referrals. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.